What up, Graffiti Tower Radio, the home of the backspins, beats, and backstories. This is your girl, Danky, and I'm starting off the show today for our boy, Fresh. And, of course, I got our road dog, Bomber Clyde, in the house. Where you at, Bomber? Right here, right here, Cuzzo. Already. All right. Um, today on the show, we have a legendary person in the house today, um, legendary Juice Crew member, Master Ace. What's up, Master Ace? What's going on, thank you. Thanks for having me well, on the show. Thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure, man. Um, today he's going to break down his beginnings in the Juice Crew and his solo reign throughout the industry. So, um, Bomber, you got the yes, thing. Yeah, so respect, Master Ace. Um, thanks for doing this interview. Uh, I just wanted to start off, like, uh, where were you born and how did you get into hip-hop? Well, I was born in uh, in Brooklyn, New York, um, Brookdale Hospital. When when my mom's and grandmother brought me home, they were living in Howard Houses, which is a housing project in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn. Um, and that's where I spent all of my young formidable years uh, in the, in that housing project. And that's, that 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 area of Brooklyn, that 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 upbringing, is kind of what shaped. Uh, me into who I am today. As far as getting into hip-hop, I would say it probably happened um, right around junior high school. Uh, right. My, uh, you know, we started we started hearing these cassette tapes coming down from uptown and from Queens, other parts of the city, and um, it was exciting to us to hear DJs scratching and cutting live, you know, at, at clubs and MCs rhyming and all of that, so... We really just wanted to try to emulate those tapes, and so somewhere around seventh grade, uh, there was a kid in my class who, who was a neighborhood DJ, and he, he had uh some of these these break beats that, uh, we were hearing on these tapes, and he loaned me a couple of his break beats. I took them home, and me and my boys were so excited to put them on the turntables and take turns scratching and cutting these these break beats that we heard all these famous DJs shopping right. us, and that was the beginning. That was the beginning for me. Wow. That's tight. Like, um, so like I was reading another interview where where you were in college and, and that's how you kinda got like the, the cold chilling deal, but it was like through a talent show or something. Yeah, I was in college but on Christmas break, my junior year, Christmas break, um, I entered this rap contest at a skating rink out in Queens, New York. I wound up winning the contest and six hours of and the first prize was six hours of studio time with Marley Marl in his studio. Word, and that's word. how I really got my start. Oh, right. Okay. Word. Like, uh, did you, like, automatically record your, like, your demo or whatever that you were recording? Or did you did it take time before you even got to meet them? Or? I won the contest in 87. Well, right before... 87 turned around. And I didn't actually get in the studio until over a year later. I didn't meet Barley until over a year later. Um, wow. He gave, he, gave the, uh, he gave the skating ring some phone number that I guess was his mother's phone number. And um, I was right. calling to try to get my studio time. You know, when I got home from, when I got home at the end of my junior year, that whole summer I was calling his number, calling that number, calling that number. Getting no, his sister would answer. She would say he's not here and that would be the end of it. Yeah. Somewhere around, somewhere around the the winter of that 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 year, we still talking eighty seven. Um, 
she just felt bad for me, and she was like, you know, here's his real number, and you know, he, he hasn't lived here for a while. And um, and I called him, and I was like, yo, you know, I'm all, I'm acting all like hype, yo, I'm the dude that won a contest. You know, what I'm saying you owe me, you owe me, owe me six hours. What's up? You know, yeah. he's like, all right, come. Come to the crib, such and such. So I said, well, I gotta, you know, I had to graduate college first. So, right. Um, eighty-eight rolled around. I graduated from college at eighty-eight, and then that's when I finally got a chance to walk into the studio. Word, word. Like, did you become like a full, full-fledged member of the Juice Crew, or you were just like associated with the Juice Crew? When I first got there, he was really just trying to honor the contest by giving me the, the hours that he's supposed to give me. Right. And then, you know, I think in his mind, he was going to give me the six hours and then I was going to send me on my way. But right. He actually liked the demos. He actually liked the demos that I laid down. Right. And um, asked me to be, asked me to be on his compilation album, Marley Marley Control Volume 1. Right. Which I had two songs on that, on that album. That was like the very beginning. Um, I'm pretty sure they were already using the term Juice Crew, like on the radio. Mr. Magic was already saying it. And yeah, yeah. And probably had a song called Juice, Juice Crew Law around that time. So it was a it was a term that was already being thrown around, but it wasn't until uh, the symphony video um, yeah. that I became yeah. associated with that name. Right. Right. Because, like, I, I, was, I was looking back, like, uh, when KRS and um, Shan was going at it, he only like this certain people. Like, was it because like he didn't even like know like who you were like, or like just how did that? How come you weren't involved in that in that epic battle? I was. Yeah, I wasn't even down yet. All right, when, all right. When the bridge, yeah. When the bridge yeah. is over and all that came out, when South Bronx and Bridges Over came out. Yeah. I hadn't even I hadn't even won that contest yet. Oh damn! Was, that was way was before just, that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, that was. So I was. I was just going to. I was just like coming home from college break, going to, going to the the, the local hip hop spots, which was Latin Quarters, and Union Square. Those were the main two hip hop clubs. And I was dancing as a regular party goer, dancing to South Bronx and the Bridge and all those records. Like I, I those are just records that I danced to. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wasn't part of none of that. All right. Wow. Yeah. So I saw also like in a, another interview something about like how there was like uh, when uh, Marley Mall produced your first album, like he didn't give you all the project, uh, credits for the production or something? Or like did you produce some stuff too? No, he, like, no, he gave me credit. Oh, did he? Okay. I got, if you, if you look at my first album, it says co-produced by me. Okay. Um, okay. I was the first artist that Marley, I was the first artist that Marley willingly gave production credit to. Um and you know, before that he had already worked with Biz. He had already worked with Big Daddy Kane and all the yeah. records that produced by Marley Maul and they felt like they had contributed to the production of the album, which, you know, everybody we all had input on what what music was gonna be sampled. You know, we would all bring records up there and tell him, Yo, I wanna sample this, I'm gonna rhyme over this and right. He had been he had been reluctant to give credit to Big Daddy Kane and to Bismarck E, and it kind of made his relationship with them uh, a little bit weird. Um, yeah. They started doing their own music and 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 not coming to the studio. 
And I think he saw that by not sharing the credit, um, that it was going to sever relationships. So when it came to my album, he had already gone through that with those two. And yeah. I guess that was the point when he was like, you know, let me just give 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 credit where it's due. And he, he put my name on the record, you know, co-produced by, by me. That's respect, you yeah. Um, like, when did you start producing, or were you always a producer before an MC? I think I was I was a bit of a producer before I really realized it. Yeah. In those studio sessions with Marley, um, I was learning. Right. But a lot of the a lot of the samples when you listen to my first album, a lot of those samples were from my mother's record collection. I was wow, bring okay. records up from my crib, drive up there with a with a shopping bag full of records, and I'd be like, like Brooklyn Battle is one of the songs on the album, first album. I found that right. sample, listened to listening to her records. I said, Oh, I want to rhyme over this. And I brought it up there and I said, Sample this, I want to rhyme over it. I didn't know how to work the equipment, so right, right. I wasn't I wasn't pushing any buttons, but you know, I learned later that even though I wasn't pushing any buttons, I was giving direction, I was co producing those records and so um, but in terms of actually putting my hand to the equipment, that didn't really yeah. happen until my second my second album, um, uh, Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse, yeah, that was a dope album. Um, uh, I, I, man, did DJ Premier have anything to do with your production, like help you or like like give you tips or anything or like that? I, I thought I read a story somewhere. Okay, so when I first decided that I wanted to start making beats myself I wanted I, I didn't know what to buy I didn't know what, what equipment to get right so one of my good friends who was the producer was Premier he lived right near where I live and I just said yo what do you have I'll just buy what you got <laughs> right so he gave he told me exactly which quick what equipment he had and that's what I bought and I said well I got the equipment I, I'm gonna come to your crib I want you to show me step by step how to take a record, sample it, put it in the machine, do this, do that. I went to his crib. Premier showed me step by step how to sample, how to, you know, truncate a beat, right. um, how to edit the beat, how to, how to. But w- the only thing he didn't teach me was how to actually, like, how to actually make it. Like he's like, here's your sound. It's up to you to decide what the sounds are. It's up to you to decide what the drums are. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. That's the part you got to figure out. So once I knew how to work the equipment from his lessons, I was off and running. Damn, right, right. Like on your uh, second and third albums, like uh, somewhere, I mean, somewhere I read uh, you was catching flat because of the West Coast sound or whatever the West Coast influence to it. Uh, what was the process in, into going into those two albums? Well, you know, I put out a song called Jeep Ass Nigga. It was yeah. a nice record. Nice un- nice underground record. Right. I shot a video for it. Um, it was just me rhyming about my Jeep and my sound system. That's all it was. And, you know, it, it was one of the lead singles off of that first album. It was the lead single, actually. And right. so um, halfway through promoting that record, we were, we were moving on to the next single, which was Slaughterhouse. I was out on a promo tour. I was shopping in, I was out in North Carolina looking through some, some old dusty 99 cent record bin. And I see the, and I see the Def Jam label. 
And I remember that, you know, the Def Jam label, you always, you tell me saw that label, you always wanted to see what it was. Right. So I found this record. I found this record by Original Concept called Knowledge Me. And I was like, oh, I remember this record. This is a dope. I remember this beat. This beat kind of sound like, it kind of sound like some beats that I be hearing cats using down south and out west. Right. And I, I bet I could rhyme over this. I bet I could rhyme over this. And they would mess with it in, in other parts of the country. So I, I went home with that beat. I took the same lyrics to G-Class Nigga, and I just relayed them over this new beat. And um, called it Born, I changed the title to Born and Roll. It became the remix to G-Class Nigga. We put it on the Slaughterhouse single as a B-side, just as a just a B-side. And we released the single, and all the DJs out in, in the Bay Area in LA went yeah. crazy, flipped it over and started playing and started playing that, that B side. And then it was like, yo, we want we want this record. No nobody was playing Slaughterhouse, everybody was playing Born the Roll. And that and that's wow. that's how it all got started. Damn. Like, um, before you got to those albums, uh how long were you under contract with Cole Chillin? Or were you under contract with Cole Chillin? Yeah, I was under contract for the I mean, it was back then it was the typical you know, slave contract where they get, you know, they get, they get, they get, they get to do a co-publishing deal. You got to sign like, like seven albums, some crazy, yeah, some crazy deal that you would never ever be able to recoup. And, um, I know I had to get out of that deal. So after the first record, um, you know, the relationship wasn't, wasn't great. Delicious Vinyl, which is a label out on the West Coast, they had already had success with Young MC and Tone Loke, they, they had two platinum albums with them. Um, yeah. they, they showed interest, and they were actually the ones who basically bought me bought me out of the contract with Coach Chilling. So I was able uh, to, you know, rig, wiggle free from that situation after the first album. And so um, I was done with them at that point. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, going back a little bit, uh, Prism Records was was that the first label you were on signed to? Prism Prism was okay. So after after the Symphony came out, yeah, everybody kind of knew my name, knew who I was. Um, the obvious next step would be okay, time to do an album. Um, but um, Coach Allen had this kind of policy. It, it, I guess you could call it a policy. They they always wanted to put a single out first. Cause they, I guess they did it with Big Daddy Kane. They put out right. a song called Get Into It, which was on Prism. And, you know, to see to see what the what the buzz would be like. So right. they said, you know, I, I wanted an album deal. They said, well, we can't give you an album deal until you do a single. We're going to do a single deal first. So we did a single deal that would come out on Prism Records, which is kind of their test label. And I put out a song called Together. And the flip side was Letter to the Better. Right. Um, the song, the, the the single came out on Prism, and immediately "Letter to the Better" blew up in in England, London, London, England. It just it just went like bananas, crazy. It became like right. like one of the club bangers in 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 London. Wow. So the Dumb. buzz was enough to make them say, "Okay, yeah, somebody likes this kid, so we're gonna go ahead and give you an album." And that that that's how that's how it happened. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, I guess. After the third album, um, you, you had a break in between albums, I guess. Um, what what, what happened yeah, big during break, that period? Big break. 
Yeah, big break. What happened during that period? Was it something uh, couple pertaining? Things happened. Okay. Yeah, a couple of things happened. Um, I had been working on the album from probably like, because Sitting on Chrome came out in 95. So somewhere around late 96, early 97, yeah. I was working on an album. I was working on an album that was supposed to come out on, on Big Beat Records, which is a, I was, I, I left Delicious. I was back on the East Coast, signed with another East Coast label. And I was on Big Beat Records and working on this album. And I put, I put you know, I had like, I probably had like 17, 16, 17 songs done. And right. I was really excited about the record. And Big Beat decided that I didn't have enough uh, records that com- that could compete with with what Diddy and Bad Boy were doing. You know, they had these, they had all these kind of disco records almost. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. These just straight club joints that, yeah. you know, the booty shaking, the jiggy, <laughs> the real jiggy, jigged out joints. Right, right. A lot of right. R&B on it, you know. Yeah. And I wasn't really bringing that. I wasn't bringing that. And so right. they basically decided, they decided to, to drop me because I wasn't bringing that kind of music. So the album got shelved. And so, you know, I became a little, dis, you know, disheartened with the, with the industry and, a little pissed off, and um, yeah. from '97 all the way to 2001, I said I'm gonna just focus on being behind the scenes. I'm gonna just produce. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of artists signed. I had a couple of artists signed a couple of places, and I said I was just gonna be a executive producer and a producer and focus on that. And I, I'm not rhyming no more. That that's kind of where I was at with it. Well, um, well. It wasn't until you know three years later in 2000, I went on a tour. I was invited on the tour to Europe um, to do like 13 shows in Europe overseas and it had been my first time really going over there for any extended period of time um, being over there seeing the amount of people that were coming out to the shows people knew the words to my songs and it, it just kind of rejuvenated my, my, my energy it made me feel like there were still fans out there that wanted to hear from me Right. And so when I got back from that tour um, in, in 2000 I decided to uh go back in the studio and make one more record so I could kind of leave on my own terms. Not on not on, not on the terms that I felt like the industry was sending me off on, which was our uh, West Coast sellout, um, yeah. you know, turned his back on the on, on his home, like that kind of Yeah, I yeah, to yeah. The record that I, that I that I that I felt like was the record that um I could go out on the right terms. So that that record became disposable art. Dope record, dope record. I like that record a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I read also like in 2000 or maybe even a little later. I'm not sure. Uh, you was diagnosed with MS. Um, how how did you take that, and how are you dealing with it, and and what's the process with that? Well, the time that 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 actually came about around that same time, around the same time that I went on that tour. I was just telling you about. Yeah, it yeah. In 2000. Um. When, when 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 I was diagnosed, and um, so that was part of the you know me being rejuvenated and saying, well, if I'm really leaving the game, I want to leave yeah. on my own terms. I want to do I want to do the exact record that that I see in my head. I don't want to hear no influence from no labels telling me that you know my records need to be more jiggy or more more glossy or more danceable or more this or more that more R and B. You know, yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah. to go in the studio and just do do a record that felt true to me. So, um, to answer your question, I'm I'm doing I'm doing great with it. I've I've, I've made a lot of changes with my diet. 
Um, I exercise very, very regularly. Um, Good. Yep. I just watch what I, I just watch. I just watch what I put in my body, and um, you know, take my meds that I'm supposed to take. And I've been. Uh, I've been. I mean, I'm. It's. It's. It's in remission in terms of. I haven't had any real incidents, and you know, right. going on 15 years now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because um, that 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 hits close to home with me because my father has it. But um, his has, you know, his has progressed into, you know, he was having many strokes and, you know, now he's, um, you know, he's not really there anymore, you know. But um, it's 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 something that I, I I've had to deal with personally, so I I I understand, you know, and I know, you know, what I'm saying about you know MS, so it's it's good that you're, you know, you're doing right, you know, eating right and everything. So it's a blessing that you're still here Almost. with us, brother. Thank you. All those things make a difference, you know. Yeah. yeah. Diet, the uh, the exercise, the uh, they all, they all make a difference. Right. Righteous, righteous. Yeah. Um, I was I was also looking. Um, your mother passed away in 2005. So like in 2012, that uh, the album you did with MF Doom was dedicated to her. Um, what was the process in going into that? And it's a deep album, so I just want to know. Well, that album, um, like you said, you know, my mom's passed away in '05, and I was working on. I just had an idea to do some like a mixtape over some MF Doom beats. I had a he had put out he had put out like I don't know seventy five or eighty instrumentals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had previously released, and so he put this instrumental series out. I don't know how many parts it was, but it was so many instrumentals. So I got my hands on. Uh, maybe 40 of them and just driving around listening to the instrumentals and getting some ideas for them. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to put a mixtape out. I'm just going just gonna to rhyme over a couple of these joints and throw it out. You know, just a free <laughs> mixtape. Right, right. And um, Fat Beach Records found out about the idea and they approached me like, you know, why would you want to put this, give this away for free? This could be something big. Like, let's, let's make it a real album. Right. And so they, you know, they came up with a budget and they kind of talked me into you know, releasing it commercially. And so I said, if I'm going to release it commercially, then I need it to be a project that's about something. And so yeah. I thought the perfect thing was to, to, to dedicate it to, the, to my mom. And, um, you know, I, it, it was tough. Her passing was very sudden for me and, and tough to deal with. Yeah. So I kind of used the album as a sort of a form of therapy in terms of me, like maybe saying some stuff that I didn't get to say to her when she was here. I could kind of yeah, say yeah. it on the record and, Help help me work through some things. That's the album, the album was actually very therapeutic for me. That's awesome. Man. It's, it's a good. It's a deep album. I like it a lot too. It's a dope album. Um, Thank you. Another controversy. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's a controversy, but a lot of people do. It's like Eminem style jacking you, or vice versa. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I don't agree with it. I don't me neither. Think any of that's happening. I think I don't. I just. I mean, there's nothing similar about anything that we do. Um, right. He, right. All he said was, "I was one of his influences," and and you know, I spoke to him personally um, a few years back, and he broke it down to me very specifically. He said, "You know, back in '93 when I dropped Florida House, you know, him and his boys D12, they used to drive around Detroit. They were all broke, and they just driving in a beat up car." And yeah. that was the album that came out that that summer. They was all in high school, 
and that's what the record that was just the album that they that they gravitated to and they they played it they played it nonstop that whole summer of ninety three and he say like he wasn't really messing with none of the other you know more commercial stuff he was just into that because it was just real underground and dirty and grimy and so right for that reason you know he mentioned me as one of his influences because that album had an impact on him but I don't I don't I don't feel like he did anything style right. or, or, or lyrically that was anything anywhere near similar to what I was doing and, and vice versa. Yeah, I feel the same way. I just had to get that out there. Um, uh, I mean, another thing to that is, was it true that you were going to do a song with him? Uh, but Young Z took his spot on a, on a, on a record that y'all were supposed to do, allegedly. Well, I, yeah, after shortly after I, I well the day that I met him and we had that conversation, yeah, the same day I asked him about being on this song because I was working on Disposable Arts at that right at that time, um, so it was like the beginning of '01 or so, and uh, I asked him you know if he was down to jump on this song and I played it for him he liked it, uh, but you know it, it had to go through management and yeah. Management management basically said, nah, you, you know, you, you want too much stuff. This is not this is not the move we want to make right now. And so they kind of shut it down. And so, it, it, you know, I figured it was worth a shot. I knew he was definitely becoming this really big artist, and I knew it was going to be difficult, but I figured I would give it a go. Uh, it didn't work out, and so we, we, we reached out, and Young Z was down to jump on the song, and, you know, that's what the song is. That's what's up. Um, did you ever... Uh... Did you ever get to, like, uh, work with other Juice Crew members to watch your career besides Big Daddy Kane? Besides Kane on Son of Yvonne, no. Um, okay. That's the only instance where I, I reached out to somebody from the old crew and got on a song with them. I'm, I'm actually on a song with Craig G. Um, oh, Craig G., okay. It's not... It's, it's, it's not my record, but um, he, he and I are featured on a uh, man. Who's the artist? Um, oh, 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 Chip from Chicago. Um, oh my goodness. Um, I don't know why his name is escaping me right now. Oh, Profound. My man, Profound. Profound. All right. He uh, he got me and 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 Craig, I believe. Cormega actually has me and Craig on it. On it. Not Cormega. Yeah, Cormega. Got a oh yeah. Oh, one dope. of the joints with me and Craig on it. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. Um, that's super dope. Uh, did you have have you have you produced for any um, I guess bigger New York artists that I might not even know? You know what I mean? Mm, not really. I, I only produced for myself and artists that were signed to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you have a Did you Did you get a chance for, for, for I did a joint for for Jean Grey early in her career. Word, word. So how how is Jean Grey? Have you have you uh, are you still talk to her or you still mess with her like as far as music wise? No, no, we're not doing that music wise. I haven't spoke to her in, in quite a while now. Wow. All right, that's dope. Um, they thank you. You got something to ask? Um, I mean, you know, I always want to know uh, who's your favorite <laughs> rapper. <laughs> I mean, I definitely don't have one, but there's a okay. few, you know, a few that a few that I would list as as 
you know, strong influences early in my career. Okay. Um, definitely LL early in my career, Rakim, mm-hmm. Kane. Those are those those guys are all big influences. Those 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 are the guys that I always mention because those were the guys that when I heard them rhyme, it made me make adjustments to what I was doing. Um, right. There wasn't many rappers that I would hear and be like, "Ooh, I got to switch mines up." That's that's my joint ain't tight enough. I got to I got to do something different. Um, but those those cats right there were were some of the cats that when I heard them rhyme and spit, I was like, "Okay." The game has changed. I got this. This ain't this ain't good enough. I gotta, you know, start over. Okay. Come better. Okay. Right. Right. How about like uh, through your career? Like, what's your favorite album? Like, out of all your albums, it's definitely disposable arts. Um, yeah, I mentioned it earlier, but mainly because that album was my opportunity to really go out on my own terms, if you will. And yeah. that album, that album single-handedly, because of the success of it, that album uh, extended my career, going on 15 years now. Yeah, um, just because of that one record. That's dope. That's dope. Oh uh, yeah, my little homies uh, opened up for you uh, when you came to Denver, uh, down to Cervantes, I believe, early this year, sometime, earlier this year, sometime. Okay. Yeah, they just wanted yeah. to say. What up to Master Ace too? So that's what's up. Um, <laughs> All right, big up them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess that's a wrap, yo. I don't really have any other other questions right now. Uh, thank you. You got anything? Um, no, that's about it. I guess that's gonna that's gonna be it. I'm just I'm um I'm just I'm I'm excited. I'm thankful. Um, thank you so much, Master Ace, for coming and and talking with us and letting us know, you know, what I'm saying about, you know, what I'm saying your your um your impact in, in in the music industry. Um, we appreciate you, man. I thank you. I thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it, and uh, I plug, plug, your, plug your new album. Keep, keep plug up. your new album. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we definitely we definitely haven't spoken about that. Um, yeah. The new album is called The Fallen Season. Uh, it takes you takes you on the journey through my high school years. Um, okay. you know, I like doing concept albums. They're, they're they're a lot of fun to me. So this is a concept mm-hmm. record, and the album the, the story on the album is me in high school and me, me walking into high school as a freshman and then me graduating at the end of uh, you know four years and telling everything that was happening in my life around my school in Brooklyn in the neighborhood. It's all being told on, on that album. The whole album is produced by this. Virtually unknown producer named Kick Beats from LA, but right. super talented, super musical, musical dude, and uh, really, really excited and proud of of, of this record. Oh, That's yeah. dope. Yeah, I got it. It's dope. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for being on the show, bro. Well, thank y'all. All right, well, that's Graffiti Talk Radio, and we out.